Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Coming up in a moment, we'll have a little bit of an update on the story we talked about yesterday, uh, transfer portal rumor. Well, it's already kind of fizzled in the thin air. I'll tell you more about that here coming up in just a little bit. Before that, something else we talked about earlier this week was Kirby Smart at the Chick-fil-A charity, a golf event, does it every year. A lot of coaches do. Obviously, Chick-fil-A connected to the kind of the Peach Bowl. They have the kick the kickoff class at the beginning of the year. Georgia's in that this season against Oregon. They have the uh, Peach Bowl at the end of the year. Do not forget, it's a college football playoff game here for the uh, upcoming season. So Chick-fil-A and the Peach Bowl closely connected. Those big events at Mercedes-Benz Stadium really are kind of the defining moments oftentimes for the beginning and end of the season in college football this will be no different and their connection to you know the college sports in general is certainly runs deep this this charity golf event takes place each and every year we showed you the funny video of kirby the trick uh, i guess you call it like a prank type thing where he swung the golf club hit the ball some of those exploding smoke field deals there you go there's that's kirby smart kind of getting pranked right there we kind of joked about this other day that you can sort of tell that smart kind of only likes this so much but he's willing to be a good sport this time of year when it comes to stuff like that and the peach bowl uh and our friends from chick-fil-a obviously have a good time with all of that and and smart actually sat down and spoke with the bowl folks a little bit uh this week here too and honestly uh it's worth kind of seeing the entire video uh it they have it up on their site i'll put a link to it when i post the show a little bit later on smart kind of gets into some of the golf stuff related to this one of the things he talks about is the fact that He's never really been that good of a golfer, but during the pandemic, he probably played more. And then once the season kind of got back and college football kind of got back to normal, he kind of played less. And I guess there's a part of me that kind of I'm what I'm about to say, I'm saying mostly kiddingly, but I guess there's been a part of me that's always appreciated the idea of a coach playing some golf. I like the idea of having a coach that golfs. But I would always be a little nervous if my coach was just too good. Like, I'll give you a quick example here. Uh, Paul Johnson in Georgia Tech was a very good golfer. Like, he's gotten, you know, holes in one and things like that. I mean, like, he's a very good golfer. And there's a part of me that's always been like, if you're that good at golf, how much are you really working at football? Like... (laughs) Probably not a surprise that a guy that was a very good golfer was also nowhere to be found with like four and five star recruits and things like that. Because if you're that good at golf, you ain't recruiting worth a flip uh, because you're just not out there doing that very much. So I like the idea of having a football coach who golfs. I also like the idea, as Kirby Smart would say, although I think he's probably sandbagging a little bit, he's better than he gives himself credit for. I I like the idea of a coach that golfs, but maybe not quite too good at golf because (laughs) it's sort of like if your IT guy works, got too much of a tan, that means he hasn't been indoors working on computers as much as he should be like if your football coach is too good at golf that means he's not really quite probably in the film room on the recruiting trail maybe as actively as he should be but the point is in the interview with the uh, chick-fil-a peach ball folks smart kind of talked about his admiration for tiger woods what he would serve if he was the master champion at the champions dinner uh just just kind of some interesting uh, how much he likes rooting for the uh for the uh, dogs on tour obviously the pga tour dogs which we are very big fans of around here there as well it's kind of an interesting look at kirby smart's connection to golf with the folks from the chick-fil-a peach ball but around here we're kind of a football centric show so smart talking a little football 
also worth our time there as well and we know that this is one of those years which Georgia plays in one of the biggest season opening games of the year against the Oregon Ducks Georgia if you look at the betting markets right now about a 15 point favorite against Oregon but that doesn't change the fact this game's gonna get a lot of hype a lot of attention it's the former UGA assistant Dan Lanning on the other side it's Kirby Smart as the reigning national champion in his home state Mercedes-Benz Stadium against those Ducks and I believe y'all correct me if I'm wrong but I believe this is the first we've heard of Smart talking about this game what he thinks about it what he knows about Oregon right now and how you're preparing your team to get ready for it obviously we're still a good bit away from the start of official summer practices before the season begins but not too soon to start thinking about a big game in Mercedes-Benz Stadium to open the season this is what Smart said about that with the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl folks this week. We looked at them in the spring and kind of studied those guys. It makes it awkward, you know, the new head coach. You can take the, the you know, the film and the things you're really looking more at who the players are than anything. Um, very familiar with Dan Lanning, very familiar with a lot of guys on the staff. His offensive coordinator was at Auburn and also at FSU. So we looked at those guys, but got a lot of respect for Dan and what he did for our program and know he'll do a really good job uh, there at Oregon. So a little bit of interference that's on our end i believe there on that but but interesting stuff to hear kirby smart talking about and by on our end i mean the recording of the audio uh i believe that was on my on my side there on that but the point of all of this is is that uh interesting to hear smart and the thing that i probably find the most interesting about that is is that when smarts asks, hey what are your thoughts about oregon it's interesting that he does that he says you know it's kind of hard to know what they're going to be about but he doesn't say we haven't spent any time thinking about Oregon yet did you notice that it's one of those deals where smart kind of sidesteps the question because he's probably sidesteps most questions but he doesn't he doesn't fail to acknowledge the premise that yes we're already thinking about that season opener a little bit in other words you heard him say during spring spending some time watching some film on Oregon they've already started those preparations so for those of us who really get excited at the start of the season, for those of us who, as somebody mentioned this to me yesterday, that we are now closer to the start of the year than we were the end of last season. Uh, we've kind of passed that mark from it's now longer since the national championship game it was until the season actually starts. We've kind of crossed over kind of a line of demarcation there a, a, a bit, and it's kind of cool to hear that Kirby Smart is already thinking about Oregon a little bit. They've already looked at some film. And Smart's correct here in that, well, listen, you know, how much is uh, Dan Lanning, you know, going to bring to the table as a first-time head coach? We don't really quite know that. He mentions Kenny Dillingham, the uh, offensive coordinator, going back to look at his previous stops of where he's worked, some things that he's done to kind of, you know, pick up some hints there. The kind of talent that Oregon has on the field, looking at some of that film. Obviously, as many of you are aware, the quarterback, we expect to be Bo Nix. That's a guy clearly that Georgia knows pretty well. And going back to Nix's time there at Auburn, and as I said before, you know, for for a guy like Smart, who is just so diligent in his preparation and a guy who runs the organization of Georgia football kind of built around that idea, the fact that they're already thinking a, a little bit about uh, Oregon makes you feel like maybe the season's not quite so far away from sort of being here. I, I've given you my thoughts on the game with the Ducks in the past in that. I'm really excited about it. Anytime you have a chance to be in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, anytime you have a chance to have one of the big non-conference matchups in the early year, I think it makes the offseason go by a little faster. My assumption is if you're a player 
and you're working to get ready for the upcoming season, that extra level of focus, I'm assuming is probably there because you are playing Oregon and not like, say, you know, Murray State or you know something along those lines. The fact that you're playing a team that you've heard of, a uniform that you recognize, maybe even a coach that you know on the other side of there, I would imagine that makes you probably a little bit more focused. However, I've also said this, and this is where, you know, this is kind of the honesty compels me to admit type category. That if you're someone who's looking for Georgia's close game, if you're someone who's kind of expecting Georgia to be tested there at some point in time, I mean, I think you have to really stretch the imagination to assume that it's going to be Oregon. I don't say that with any disrespect to Dan Lanning. I believe he'll eventually be a very good coach there. He's at least going to have a chance to be. But this is his first game, and he's against the reigning national champions, and he's 3,000 miles from home, Eugene, Oregon, a long way away from Atlanta, Georgia. The idea that Oregon's going to travel that far with this big of a talent deficit is measured by the fact they're already more than a two-touchdown underdog and find a way to keep this game close in the dog's own home state, albeit Atlanta, not Athens, to me that seems like a pretty, a, a pretty big stretch. Will Georgia be tested by somebody at some point in time in the, the regular season? Most teams typically are. Maybe Georgia will be there as well. But as much as we're excited about the Oregon game, the season opener, hard for me to imagine that the team that actually stretches Georgia, the team that actually tests them is the Ducks. I mean, to be frank, when was the last time you saw any Pac-12 team win a game of that magnitude in the early season kind of non-conference matchup? This is just not what they do very much. Now, in defense of the Pac-12 folks, they would say, yeah, but we're never getting a chance to play those games in the Pacific time zone. It's one of the reasons why Las Vegas is kind of building itself up as a college football destination right now. And they're hoping to kind of host some games like this in that Pacific time zone. So maybe one of these days, it's Georgia playing Oregon a little closer to its home. Maybe one day we'll get there. But for now, it's Oregon traveling to a place like Atlanta. Given all the other challenges that Oregon faces, I honestly don't see this game being very close, but it's interesting to hear Kirby Smart already talking about the preparation they're doing, watching some film somehow to kind of figure out what they need to do to get ready for the Ducks. Then there's this. Kirby was also asked during this interview of, well, what's it like, you know, kind of post-national championship? What's it been like with your program now that you've got that trophy hanging, uh, or I should say, you know, sitting in the trophy case? What's what's that kind of like right now? And Smart, with the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl folks this week, gave an answer that's a little bit similar to what he's given in the past, but worth revisiting again, Kirby from earlier this week. Yeah, probably the biggest difference in being national champion and going into an offseason is, you know, you worry about complacency. You worry about guys um, thinking they've arrived. Uh, I didn't think our group did that. We had a shrunk window, we had a, sh- a shorter window, so we had a little less time to um, prepare. Uh, we, we had one less week to lift before spring practice. And um, But, the, you know, we played an extra game in the season with a playoff game. So injuries have, have played a factor in that, and we probably had more guys out this spring than we ever have before. Um, but the biggest thing is is not worrying about that. You know, we, we don't we don't defend a title. We start new with a new team and develop new chemistry to to see what this team's going to be about. So, hearing Smart say what he says there, they were actually at a disadvantage. The national championship actually cut into our off season. It's similar to some of the stuff that Smart has said in the 
past on similar topics. I don't quite know you're going to get a lot of folks around college football who give smart much of a break on that. The idea of, oh, woe is me. We had to play for the national championship. Therefore, our offseason schedule was a little shorter. I don't quite know you're going to get much sympathy from other coaches, other programs for Georgia having to have a shorter offseason because it was so busy winning a national championship at the end of last season. But nonetheless, that smarts line there on that. And he also kind of goes more into detail there about a topic that he has addressed before, which is that he doesn't believe that national championships can be defended, that that you know this is a new team and a new story, and the national championship solely belongs to last year's team. And we've said before that we kind of understand where Kirby comes from on this. We have maybe a slight difference uh, of opinion on that. However, to take Kirby at face value for a moment and to 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 you know kind of speak on his own premise there on that for a moment here's where i think college football is kind of interesting i think that if if kirby wants to really push the notion that it's a new team new identity the national championship had for the 20 happened for the 2021 team and it has nothing to do with what's going to happen here in 2022 i think it's actually a lot easier to sell that for a college football team especially one like georgia then it might be to sell that in professional sports. Like, for instance, I, I love the Braves. I love baseball. We've seen Atlanta get off to a, a pretty slow start here this year. It did, did get the split against the Mets, which is kind of nice to see coming back home this weekend. Interesting against the uh, Brewers coming up. We'll see if they can you know, kind of get it turned around. But they've gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. I think some Braves fans have kind of wondered, is this a World Series hangover? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I think we do see hangovers so to speak in professional sports kind of a lot where once you've won the championship maybe your level of focus does wane a bit maybe there is a little bit of complacency that does creep in maybe that's possible uh it could potentially be possible in college sports too except for georgia i i truly believe there is a very good chance it's not as true for uga as it might be for a professional sports team like you may have seen in the past because they you know there really are a lot of new faces in new roles for georgia this year so if you want to sell as kirby smart to these georgia players hey that national championship happened for that team do you want your own national championship do you want your own glory do you want to be a first round pick at the end of this season the way that a lot of those guys became last year i think it becomes a little easier to sell that for this uga team because a lot of the guys who'll be hearing that message really weren't maybe on the field last season as much as they wanted to be and they do get a chance to put their own fingerprints on a trophy like that here this season that the notion of complacency for a championship maybe that's the case if a lot of players were coming back off that title team but as the Georgia rivals always love pointing out, you know, Georgia lost a lot of the key contributors on its defense a year ago. They are now moving on to the NFL. And sometimes that's spun as a bad thing. And listen, it's never easy to replace departed talent. We'll clearly acknowledge that. But this is one area in which maybe that's kind of a good thing in that, okay, so the potential for complacency that could come from guys who contributed to a national championship. All of a sudden, you don't have to worry about that quite so much. And if you're a Jamon Dumas Johnson, or if you're a you know Warren Brinson or Nazir Stackhouse, or you know uh, other guys who are going to be in bigger roles here this season, 
all, all of a sudden now you do have that taste to enjoy the success that really did belong to a 2021 team that that you weren't as big of an influence on as you'd a chance to be here right now it's still not easy to kind of conjure all that up the right level of focus the right level of uh, of, of dedication but I do think it's made easier when the guys receiving that message really are chomping at the bit to kind of go out there and have their own level of success, the kind of individual success that leads them to get paid, the kind of team success that could lead to a, a national championship or at least certainly contending for one. And that's where I'll wrap up this conversation here for right now. You've heard me say this, say this over and over again, and I'm going to keep doing it. I believe that Georgia heading into 2022, the season opener against Oregon and everything else is going to come after that. I believe that right now George is actually pretty undervalued by the national media types who set the narrative and the opposing fans who kind of, you know, contribute to that conversation. I think there's this assumption that, well, Georgia had its moment in the sun, but now it's going to kind of slide back to the pack and be what Georgia was before. I believe that's maybe wishful thinking that UGA is actually set up very well to look good in the season opener against Oregon and then look pretty good in every regular season game after that there as well. And come December and January, this Georgia team for this season is going to be just as much of a national championship contender as last year's team was. And what the end result ends up being, we don't quite know yet. But when you hear Kirby Smart speaking in those words to the folks at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl uh, this week, the level of focus they're already conjuring up is going to give the dogs a great chance to succeed. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. And we're presented today by Kroger, and we are glad to have you with us here today. Uh, rainy and traffic's bad, and at least in the Atlanta area where I, where I am. So everybody be careful. Everybody drive slow. Keep your eyes on the road and uh, stay focused. And obviously, let's let us enjoy, entertain you and keep you relaxed. And if you're, in ho- if you're at home or somewhere else, just stay indoors here for a little bit and maybe head back out a little bit later on today. Either way, I'm really glad to have you as a part of what we're doing here today. Video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch after that. The radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref Podcast on the Apple Player, Spotify, Google, the world famous dognation.com. A lot of ways for you to get in touch with us here on the program today. However, you get to us, just glad to have you with us as uh, we do. Uh, really good stuff all the way around. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. You know, Kroger is the source you got to turn to to get ready for a very big weekend. You probably already know this. It's Mother's Day on Sunday. And if you're a good son or daughter, you've already got those Mother's Day festivities planned. If you're last minute, Kroger's still got you covered there as well. Whether it be the gift cards, the flowers, whatever else you need, uh, Kroger's got you on all of that. You're getting ready for a big meal. A lot of folks love the big cook out there on uh, Mother's Day. Well, you can get stocked up for what you need there on that too. All of those great savings, all of those great opportunities right there for you at Kroger. So check out Kroger.com slash mom for more on that. It's Kroger.com slash mom, and you can get ready to go for a great, great uh, Mother's Day. By the way, before we're done at today's show, we'll also announce another championship mom, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. Kroger loves celebrating Mother's Day. They've done this with us for now a few years, and it's been a, such a fun week this week telling you those stories, but those great mothers who've been nominated by folks in our audience it's been a wonderful wonderful time there on that so we'll give out another one of those uh, championship mom stories and announce a winner courtesy of our friends at kroger here in just a, a little bit before that though before we talk some recruiting with jeff Sintel, going on the road with triple a with him in a moment i want to go around the doghouse and so we talked about this a little bit yesterday there's a guy named isaiah land um 
uh, very prolific uh, pass rusher from Florida uh, A&M, and he'd put his name in the transfer portal. And one of the things we showed yesterday was on Land's Instagram story, he had shown, you know, a lot of different teams like LSU and Auburn. One of those was Georgia. We showed you that yesterday, kind of seemingly i don't want to say confirming that's the wrong word but echoing the rumor mill chat that's a better way to say it. kind of the rumor mill chatter that well maybe georgia who we had thought of being interested in kind of an edge rush type guy veteran presence there in that outside linebacker room maybe a guy like land because he had had so many sacks i want to say maybe he left fcs and sacks i'm like they, they had huge numbers huge numbers yeah that's what if you're watching a video that's what isaiah land had put out uh, in his Instagram story, he had like five or six of these kind of panels of, you know, big name programs, Georgia being one of those. And I guess we're kind of led to believe and that's a nice, a nice look at uh, who Land is, who is, I think, a, a very good player and, and certainly put up big numbers there for the Rattlers. But at this point in time, you can scratch Land off the list of guys who are going to, no pun intended, I truly don't mean this is a pun, Land at, at, at Georgia. Isaiah Land putting out on Twitter here over the course of the last 24 hours that he's now actually staying at, uh, at, at FAMU, saying we're going to stick with the FAMU league. But, you know, that's obviously a play on the uh, – uh, the Florida Atlantic, uh, I should say the Florida A&M name. He says, we've got to finish what we started. So I guess you're led to believe here on this that maybe Georgia nor maybe even other the other uh, teams that Land were hoping would pursue him. Maybe they didn't quite find that connection together. Land is not the biggest guy, to be honest with you. And so maybe that was one of those issues after having a chance to kick the tires. Maybe a, maybe a Georgia, maybe some of these other programs decided that maybe from a size standpoint, it didn't quite work out you know too well for them. But did want to give you a little bit of an update on that. We do believe that Georgia is going to be eventually maybe active in the transfer portal with someone maybe it's a safety maybe it's a wide receiver if the right one were available and we thought maybe an edge rusher outside linebacker type guy there as well there had been some chatter that isaiah land might be one of those guys but after putting his name in the portal and after making a little bit of a you know a, a fuss about some of the programs that might come after him it sounds like some of those programs have made a different decision it just didn't quite work out for uh georgia in terms of uh, a guy like land or the other big programs there as well either way isaiah land prolific pass rusher from florida a&m is going to stay there with the rattlers so an update on that all right before we're done on today's program there is a lot going on with name image likeness transfer portal and I realized that at a certain point, this can be very difficult to follow. So I'm going to try to lay it out in very simple details later about the response that's out there from some key decision makers, including the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, to what some are saying is just too chaotic of an environment as of late because of the rumors of tampering with former pit wide receiver Jordan Addison, the aggressive nature of John Ruiz probably the most high profile booster thus far in the very still new and young nil era there was a response to all of this and some are wondering if it's too little too late we don't know that yet but we'll tell you what's going on we'll do that before we're done on today's program but before that a lot in recruiting i want to share a theory i have with jeff about uh, arch manning i want to talk to a to jeff about a five-star recruit that jeff just had a chance to visit with here this week i'll ask jeff about a little bit of an aftermath on the transfer portal stuff that i just mentioned there and who knows what else we may get into it is on the road with jeff centel assisted by AAA. great time to be doing that on a friday glad to have him and all of you with us here today as well 
Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. On the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here. And obviously this is a recruiting conversation, but this day and age, it seems like transfer portal goes hand in hand with recruiting when it comes to putting a roster together. Georgia not as involved in the transfer portal as some are, but still uh involved nonetheless at least we think they they may be jeff let me you know bring up the story i just mentioned and let's see if we can figure out what all this means that we talked a little bit earlier this week about a guy named isaiah land very prolific pass rusher from florida a&m uh land had put a little georgia stuff on his instagram story along with some other big time programs ultimately though land staying at florida a&m would lead you to believe that maybe he didn't quite get that offer from one of the big schools that he was hoping to get that's what's caused him to kind of go back here to the rattlers that's i think an easy assumption here although admittedly that's just an assumption uh there on that so my question to you is this clearly land is not the guy for georgia but do you still think that georgia will look to add a player or maybe even two out of the transfer portal now that we're post that May 1st deadline for players to be in the portal and have immediate eligibility for the upcoming season. Yeah, good morning, Randy. Good morning, everybody. certainly seems a lot more different now, a lot more difficult now. Um, You know, there's still ways that I guess guess you could have graduate transfers. Um, You know, the, the deadline of May 1st is kind of rigid, and now we're even past the 48 hours. There's a lot of speculation out there that Georgia is going to kind of stand pat with its roster, hope guys come back. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of this. You know, I, I'm sure you saw the uh, story out of Boston College how, uh, you know, the, one of their leading returning receivers, Zay Bruce, uh, speculated or even said outright that he had turned down a $600,000 NIL deal or 300000 NIL deal to return to Boston College. Um it is getting very tricky out there, and it is getting, um, you know, your opening comments, Brandon, it just kind of set my mind racing in a million directions. But I think the most resonant direction I would go is it makes me think about Bear Bryant in the 70s and the 60s. You remember those days, Brandon, the unlimited scholarships where sure. Alabama offered like 125, had 125 players on scholarships? They stuck some receivers on track scholarships and other scholarships and things like that. Uh, Brendan, I was having a conversation uh, with a very, uh, with a very, uh, I guess I would say, uh, someone who would really know a whole great deal about this situation. And Brendan, we're not very far from circumventing these twenty-five mans or eighty-five mans in a couple of ways. I'll give you a, a two, two that really resonate with me. Number one. Um, what's to say you can't NIL every promising walk-on that you like, especially in the state of Georgia? Uh, we all know Hope Scholarship, and then you get, um, you know, you have academic money at the University of Georgia. You're you're in state, and then you can start walk-oning guys with NIL deals, which would be equivalent to a full scholarship anyway. The other thing that's kind of crazy is you could take any school in the country, Brandon, and you can look at the ones that are getting the major NIL deals, the major NIL money. And, Brendan, we're not far from somebody simply saying, hey, we need you to go off scholarship. You're getting enough money with NIL, right? And then that's another way you can look at, I mean, established starters, that's another way you can look at how this NIL stuff is changing a lot of things. I think that's right. And as far as the Georgia part of this goes there as well, you know, when May 1st came and went for the dogs, I think a lot of Georgia fans kind of take it as good news. Wow, you know, not you know, certainly, you know, Cameron Kenny, you wish him well as he enters the transfer portal, but there wasn't some big exodus from UGA. 
ahead of that deadline, which I think kind of speaks to the fact that right now the players in this roster still view Georgia as kind of the place to be. But there were some Georgia fans, especially the more bean counting minded Georgia fans, who were like, wait a second. I was sort of expecting a few Georgia players to go in that uh, transfer portal to maybe make room for some other players there as well. I think that Georgia would still have room to do something if it wanted to. But were you a little bit surprised that Georgia didn't have more players enter the portal than did before that May 1st deadline? Yep. Yeah, good question. I think for me, perhaps, my maybe biggest surprise is the recruiting. And this is what people don't pay attention to. It's not the names that come in. Like, everybody's got their eyes on Alabama, right? They see I think Alabama's added two receivers. They're working on third. Uh, they added an offensive tackle from Vanderbilt. They had also added previously the running back from Georgia Tech, who now seems like one of the best players on their offense. And everybody was wondering, well, what Georgia? what is Georgia doing to counter and match? And really, maybe, Brandon, the way to look at it is some of the most effective recruiting Georgia did was to keep guys out of the portal and keep guys on the roster. I mean, there's a lot of names that we've, we've that's been bantied about everywhere in cyberspace about that guy's leaving, that guy's going to be hard to stay. And a lot of those names stayed for Georgia. And I think player retention maybe was a big part of the portal story and maybe the headlines that weren't there uh, regarding the Georgia Bulldogs. So I want to change the subject here for a little bit as we're on the road, uh, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sindelier today. Jeff, I believe that Arch Manning is coming to Georgia, and I want to give you my theory in all of this, and I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on it. If you want to go back to a couple of years ago, I remember when I first realized that Justin Fields was coming to Georgia. I'm not a recruiting insider, things like that. I just try to follow the stuff that's out there. But the time I knew that Fields was coming to UGA was when it became obvious that he wasn't going anywhere else. All the other schools that were kind of rumored to be in the mix for him, they were just kind of all falling by the wayside. And it truly was a, a disqualification, a process of elimination, almost like a battle royal, that uh, that Georgia had emerged as the winner there. You knew that he was going to the dogs because he wasn't going anywhere else. The other suitors had seemingly just kind of, you know, kind of fallen apart there. I mean, I'm not quite so sure we're not having the the same thing happen with Manning right now. Like the the you know the Ole Miss, the, which is kind of like the legacy connection, that doesn't seem to be materializing. We had national analysts say, "Hey, watch for like a Florida or an LSU to get involved here with new coaches." If that's going to happen, thus far it hasn't. And then you're kind of left with that big three of Georgia and Alabama and Texas. Well, look what's going on in Alabama right now. There is a lot of chatter about Alabama and another quarterback named Eli Holstein that it, it seems like they are down the road with a pretty good bit. And you've got all these Bama fans online who are talking about how they believe that Holstein's actually better than Arch Manning, which certainly is an indication that they think uh, that Bama's about to take that uh, that Holstein commitment here because uh, they want to be able to save face in all of this. So, the Jeff, all that really leaves you with, and this is my theory admittedly, but all that really leaves you with is Georgia, who just had 15 players drafted, Texas, who just had zero players drafted. Is a guy like Arch Manning, who, by the way, is also as probably as drama-free of a, of a recruit as I can remember, going to go to a drama farm like Austin that's not producing NFL talent, that you know has tons of questions surrounding the, the future of Steve Sarkeesian. Seems hard to imagine that Arch Manning would voluntarily enter into that scenario when everything at Georgia just seems so buttoned up by comparison and certainly much more successful. Because of that, I'm actually as certain as I've probably ever been about an elite recruit. I believe Arch Manning's coming to UGA. What say you? Wow, Brandon, you got everybody jumping in their coffee cups this morning. 
I mean, Brandon, the Holstein stuff is stuff you could kind of see coming, I guess, two months ago. Um, Holstein, he's also from the state of Louisiana. At one time, he was committed to Texas A&M. And I kind of feel like it's always been Georgia and Texas with Manning. And you're right. You make a lot of great points about how the circumference and the radius around this story. There's not a lot of great things going for Texas right now in this head-to-head. I mean, you saw with Alabama – you know, they could match a lot of things Georgia was that Georgia offered, uh, had the ability to present Arch Manning as a great case. They had a uh, college town. They had great t- tradition. They had NFL players all around him to develop. They had the pedestal. Um, Texas didn't have any of that. Georgia has that. But, I mean, probably two months ago, you saw the writing on the wall when you watched um, Eli Holstein keep making trips to Bama. And then even after he decommitted from Texas A&M, I got the feeling that that was really because Alabama kind of thought that their puncher's chance with Manning was waning a little bit and they had to go find and get their guy. So they, you know, basically work on a guy that had been committed to Texas A&M. And like you said, they're not, they're not done yet, but they certainly feel like they're walking down the aisle and picking out, um, bridesmaids and ring bearers outfits for the, for the, for the celebration, but really leaves Arch in Georgia and Arch in Texas and, I don't know of many people that could, uh, if their keystrokes depended on it, they could come up with a compelling case to figure out why Texas is going to win this thing. Key reminder, um, Arch Manning is much ballyhooed and trumpeted as the next biggest, greatest thing. But Texas Brandon, they already have the next biggest, greatest thing, the 2021 version, the, 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 the guy that was supposed to be the number one overall prospect in the 2022 class who enrolled early, reclassified, and went to Ohio State. Now he's He's jumped to Texas. I mean, the future's kind of already there as well. Now, case can be made that Georgia's got a lot of future riding as well. But, I mean, with all great, great respect uh, to Gunnar Stockton and even Brock Vandegrift, neither of those guys were as highly rated and regarded as Quinn Ewers by the recruiting industry. Um, it just feels, you know, just what, what do we always talk about, Brandon? Follow the follow momentum, follow the visits. It just feels like Georgia's in a really good spot right now with the potential uh, to grab the commitment for Arch Manning, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, I'm t- somebody asked me a good question a couple of weeks ago. Didn't really have an answer to it. Remember when I wrote that story about um, how uh, his high school coach Nelson Stewart told me that they want Arch Manning to be they want Arch's recruitment to be as much like a '70s recruitment or an '80s recruitment as possible. Yep. Remember that? Yep. Uh, so what what? And somebody asked me, you know, can you flesh that out? What does that actually mean? And they brought up a point, I think it was about 10 days ago, they brought up a point where, what if he doesn't come anywhere? What if he just shows up on campus? What if he just signs on signing day like everybody did in 1970 or 1980? That would be major theater. That would be major drama. And also, Brandon, it would be something that feels a lot like a 1980s recruit where the way things happen. And then a guy like you, a smart fellow like you, would have to lay in the weeds and look and say, okay, school A's got their quarterback, school B's got their quarterback, school C has not got their quarterback, and then you can do the deductive or inductive reasoning from there. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting, but from the flip side of that, though, is, I mean, if if Manning really wants, like, drama-free, like, you, know, you, you use, you know, I guess his high school coach talked about, like, like a, you know, 1970s or 1980s-style recruitment. We've joked before, does that mean Trans Am in the, uh, in the, in the driveway? But, but I understand the coach meant something different when he said that. I mean, doesn't Manning just maybe 
if you want it to be drama free, then don't you announce sooner rather than later? Don't you put this to bed before the summer drags on? Because, I mean, we see like mainstream outlets writing about this kind of thing more than we certainly typically do for the average quarterback recruit. That if you really want it to be drama free, inst- instead of avoiding the announcement, which would only kind of create more, you know, chatter around it, don't you put it all to bed by making the announcement? We've heard, you know, certain people in the industry say that Manning's likely to only take one official visit. He's not going to take all five official visits. I mean, if, if you want this to be kind of simple and buttoned up and put to bed, then you announce sooner, not later, right? Yeah, well, the other thing to watch for is June the second through the fifth. That's the marquee. Uh, that's the marquee win, win, weekend window where Georgia's lining up all of his alpha recruits. That's the guys that they consider to be the most prized, or you know, the rare breed. Let's call it uh, in the twenty twenty three class. And you know, their names like Caleb Downs and Justice Haynes and Pierce Sperling. A lot of those guys are showing up in Athens on that first weekend in June. And you know, that's one of those things where you, you talk about one official visit. You know, that would be the that would be the weekend to put eyes on and say, is that the weekend that maybe maybe Arch shows up and takes his official visit? Is that the weekend where um, Georgia makes the major move in its 2023 class, much like it did in 2022? If everybody remember, Branson Robinson, then Alan Morissette, Oscar Dell, Gunnar Stockton, all those guys were there on their official visits that first weekend in June. And, you know, the art story is an, it's a magnificent and amazing story. I think a lot of people, I, I think it's, it's a lot of, it's a story that causes a lot of people, I'm going to use a Brandon term here to kind of get out in front of their skis a little bit. Um, but you know, this young man and this recruitment, you'll notice Brandon, it's totally different than anything we've seen. He did not go to any of the exposure camps. He didn't even go to the elite 11 camps. He did not go to the, um, Under Armour camps, uh, you know, everything is bubbled. Everything is controlled. Um, and you're going to have next week, uh, Arch Manning's spring practice opens up at Isidore Newman in, uh, in, uh, New Orleans. And that will be quite a sight to see all the coaches strolling up and down those practice fields up and down those gridiron lines uh, next week. It is uh, on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today. And by the way, it's great to have AAA back with us on the uh, show. And they've been with me now for a number of years. I started thinking about the summertime and, man, I've got so many exciting trips coming up. I love vacation with my family during the summer and we love doing stuff like that together. But listen, when we're on the road and we travel a lot, we always want to make sure we get that AAA card right there in my wallet just in case something happens. It's the peace of mind that I enjoy having while I'm traveling. I've been a AAA member for a long time, and it's the peace of mind that you can get there as well. So if you've heard us talk about this for a while and you haven't made that decision to become a AAA member, now you've also heard us talk in the past about all, other, all kinds of other great things that AAA's got going on there too. But for now, let's think about that legendary roadside assistance. That's what AAA's been famous for for a long time. And as you get ready for the summer, whether you're traveling for youth sports or vacation or just, you know, simple quick getaway for the weekend whatever else triple a ought to be in the car with you as you travel so triple a.com and you can find your local triple a club to kind of help you with uh, all of uh that a triple a membership a great great companion as you're moving around across our great country here uh, later on this summer so jeff speaking of moving around and being on the road you've certainly done plenty of that over the course of the uh, last couple of days including uh, catching up with caleb downs ex- excellent excellent safety out of uh, the mill creek program and a guy that we featured on tv a lot last year i'm assuming we're going to be featuring him a lot this upcoming year there as well and a guy you got a story coming up at dognation.com uh there as well when you think about in-state prospects for the for the current cycle that we're in 
I don't know that there are too many more intriguing than Downs. How did you find him when you had a chance to speak with him a little earlier this week? So, you know, Brandon, he's one of those players. And, and you know, as an analyst, as, a, as an observer, as a guy that chronicles these things, and you, you really want to try and find – the, the the unique the own individual thing you know but what I'm trying to say here is that a lot of people want to hear hey how good is this guy how good is he is he better than this guy how does he stand out should I really pay attention is this just a great player for 2023 or is this a great player for the last 20 years and somehow your mind just goes there when you're watching Caleb I Brandon I can only think of uh, I can only think of one high school safety that I think is on the field as dialed in and ready and just looks the part, checks every box as Caleb Downs right now. Um, as for those that follow our Before the Hedges show on Wednesday nights, uh, streams everywhere across our social platforms. You can find it on Facebook later. You can find it on our podcast later uh, on the Apple Podcast platforms. But, Brandon, the only thing that comes to my mind, because I've had Caleb Downs as the number one kind of top target, which I which usually means, which does mean, it's the guy that Georgia has to give. It's the, the blessed, best blend of uh, a recruiting attention from the player, recruiting attention coming from Georgia. And I can only think of one name, and that's Kyle Hamilton, that, that comes to my mind that flashes in the way that Caleb Downs does. And, you know, a little teaser trailer for the story that's going to come on Dog Nation today, man. It's, man, I, I think he's probably one of the most life-ready recruits I've ever been around. Uh, he's the type of young man that can talk about his recruiting, he can talk about, you know, how he doesn't want to be seen as a jock. Brandon, you'll love this. He was discussing his college options, and he dropped a Star Wars reference into the uh, into the equation about how he looks that. at a certain he looks at a certain school. So you know, he can he can speak the language of a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. His faith matters so much to him. He wants to make sure he's never outworked. I mean, everybody knows his older brother Josh is probably going to be a first team. All ACC, maybe even first team All American after 101 catches last year at North Carolina. Uh, his older brother, man, I would put him on my all decade team of Georgia high school players during the past decade. And um, you've got Caleb wanting to do more. He wants to be like a Debo Samuel type player on offense. Uh, he wants to be that type of guy, not just the nation's number one safety. I mean, uh, Brandon, I was walking around that practice field yesterday. I was taking it all in. I was talking to the coaching staff. And Brennan, it's one of those things where if you were an NFL general manager and you were listening and, and talking to Caleb, and this was in Indianapolis, you, you turn the card in right away. That's what you want. That's what you want out of a player. You know, Caleb Downs, the son of a college recruiting coordinator, the son of a college coach. Um, he's just, he's just that dude, Brandon. And the other thing, news coming out, he's, He's had his official visit to Georgia scheduled for that same weekend, January 3rd through the 5th. I think he told me that that uh, official visit was scheduled way back in February. Georgia wanted the first one. Georgia asked for the first one. He gave Georgia the first one. Um, he's also scheduled officials to Alabama and Ohio State. I'm not sure if he's done with that. I don't, I'm not sure if that thing's going to go any further. I'm not sure he's going to take all five of his official visits, but he does tell me this, Brandon. He wants a zen-like senior season. What that means is distraction-free to make Mill Creek football as good as it possibly can. 
and if, if at all possible, and with it sounds like with Caleb Downs, almost everything is possible. Uh, he's going to make his decision sometime before August, before I think uh, we'll have him in the Corky Kell. Uh, they're playing Walton uh, this fall in the Bend. And uh, this is a, I'm going to stress this, a very special football player and also a very special young man. Jeff, good stuff. Can't wait to read the story at dognation.com. Thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA here today. Hope you have a great weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in your life. And uh, we'll look forward to getting the chance to chat with you again very soon. Hey, Brandon, quick quick thing. I, I, I saw this at Mill Creek yesterday. I just wanted to give a shout-out to the Mill Creek High School coaching staff. You said Mother's Day, and that really jogged my mind. Brandon, I have been covering practice fields for over 20 years. I've been at spring football practices. Never seen what Mill Creek did. And what was it about is they got together with their booster club. They purchased 185 Mother's Day cards. And what they did is they got, when they were issuing equipment for spring practice this week, they issued the Mother's Day card. They needed to see the Mother's Day card signed and filled out. Hmm. That way they made sure every player in their program on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday had already figured out mom's Mother's Day card. And, hmm. Brandon, I cannot tell you how impressive that is because if a program takes care of little things like that, little things in terms of how much they're going to win football games, they're really going to take care of things in the fall that matter to wins and losses. Cannot stress how much I was impressed by a booster club, a coaching staff, making sure it was important to their young men to make sure they took care of all their mothers on Mother's Day uh, coming up Sunday's big day. Jeff, that's great stuff. Uh, great story there as well. And speaking of stories, as I said before, looking forward to reading more about Caleb Downs coming up with you at dognation.com there as well. We'll talk to you soon. See you, buddy. Have a great weekend. Take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Good to get a chance to catch up with Jeff Sintel right there. Of course, Jeff is a big part of our Dog Nation cruise last week. Fun to be on the seas in the Bahamas with him. And as I've been telling you, this is your chance to be on your own cruise vacation coming up there as well. I know you probably lived vicariously through us as we were on the seas. Well, you get a chance to be on board with Royal Caribbean yourself there. A great time to do that. Take advantage of all the great ports of call that Royal Caribbean's visiting right now. Obviously, perfect day, Coco K, the one that gets a lot of attention. We talk about that a lot when we're uh, here there as well. But listen, uh, they're all over the Bahamas, eastern, western Caribbean itineraries. So many fun things to do back in Alaska again, which is a really big deal. There's just a lot of fun things going on with Royal Caribbean right now. So as you head towards the summer, this is a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. So check out our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They'll help you with all of the different choices there uh, of the right Royal Caribbean ship for you, the right itinerary for you, the way to make that vacation everything it should be. So online, the Cruise and Vacation Authority can be found at tcava.com. That is tcava.com. You can also give them a call at 770-952-8300. 770-952-8300. You've heard me say it over and over again how great a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation is and now it's time for you to discover that for yourself so make sure you check all of that out today we'll give you a kroger championship mom winner here coming up in a little bit but let me talk about why yesterday was a very big day for i guess the future of nil certainly an attempt being made to put the toothpaste back in the tube here on two different fronts it is certainly fair to ask as some are whether all of this is too little too late but nonetheless there are big efforts afoot here right now. 
Let me start with the story we talked about yesterday, which is SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, PAC-12 Commissioner George Klyakov visiting in Washington with kind of a bipartisan collection of senators about their hope there'd be some sort of congressional legislation that kind of, I guess, supersedes the state laws, the current almost lawlessness of the uh the the sort of ncaa mandate on all of this when it comes to the to the name to the name image likeness revenue the the ability to to kind of leverage that for transfers and recruits and and everything else i want to give you a couple of statements here this is what greg sankey said about being in washington yesterday uh this coming from uh from from twitter adam rittenberg from espn sharing this i appreciate today's opportunity for conversation and dialogue with members of congress sankey the sec commissioner says as we have observed activity uh, emerged that is very different he says from original ideas around name image and likeness it is important we continue to pursue a national nil structure to support the thousands of opportunities made available for young people through intercollegiate athletic programs across the country not all that different than you would expect to see from a guy like sankey however uh what was also interesting is what marcia blackburn that's a senator from tennessee what she said about her meeting with klyakov and sankey kind of calling out now outgoing ncaa commissioner uh mark emmert on all this uh blackburn saying about this saying for far too long the ncaa has refused to allow student athletes to benefit from the use of their name image and likeness ncaa president mark emmert's resignation is one of many necessary structural changes that will enable the ncaa to support our student athletes during my meeting with sec commissioner greg sankey and others today poor george klyakov <laughs> the uh, pac-12 commissioner got relegated to being an other in this uh but she says i continue to push for the accountability and fairness measures our student athletes deserve so listening to, to to blackburn there and kind of listening to the way in which this part of all this has been described it sounds like they're going to try to thread a very difficult needle here of we're for nil but we still want amateurism and that is not an easy thing to do because there's a lot of cynicism around that idea we've addressed some of this kind of stuff before but yesterday sankey and klyakov were in washington blackburn one of the senators they were meeting with now concurrent to this happening at the same time but not in any way related to this there was also a meeting in arizona yesterday of kind of like a you, you know how all these like college administrators always like flying all over the country and staying in resorts and like having air quotes here meetings well this is one of those sort of spring meetings that took place in arizona yesterday dennis dodd was there for that for cbssports.com and also the topic of trying to go backwards related to the kind of current nil hysteria this also came up there one of the guys that was quoted is shane lyons he's the ncaa council chairman that sounds important um he says how are they having these conversations meaning boosters with athletes Uh, he goes on to say we've never let boosters be involved in the recruiting process where did it go off the tracks he says these collectives are boosters you also had the uh colorado athletic director who also you know uh um kind of stood up and argued forcefully on this but the other thing about the dennis dodd story at cbs sports which was interesting is like the most high profile booster involved in the nil stuff right now is john ruiz that's the miami guy who bragged about you know giving the six-figure sum to the recent kansas state basketball transfer and you know on twitter you know a couple months ago basically laid out all the money he was paying to the miami football players they were all sums in the neighborhood of like say 30 to forty thousand dollars a couple guys got 50 but but you know he, he basically just kind of put it out there this is what i'm paying all these guys been very forceful in talking about this well 
Dodd got a quote from Ruiz in this story. And Ruiz says that my platform, meaning what they're doing for NIL, is very consistent with all the rules with the NCAA and state law. He says, we probably have more robust compliance system than the schools or the NCAA itself. He says, I'm extremely comfortable. This is totally kosher. We have legitimate companies, meaning the ones that are making these NCAA payments. Uh, He also kind of makes a threat here. He says, I'm a seasoned lawyer. I do high-level litigation. What would happen in a court of law if someone were to challenge what we would do? He says, we actually require work for pay, meaning the NIL deals they're giving may require something in exchange for it. Maybe that's true. This is all really complicated, but there is no denying that Ruiz's social media message the other day about bragging about using the NIL deal uh, to bring in the Kansas State basketball transfer, that felt like a little bit of a crossed line for a lot of people, that that when you look at the way in which you've seen this very aggressive response from key like college leaders of the course of the last couple of days, a lot of folks seem to think that Ruiz sort of stepped too far as being one of the big reasons for this. The same kind of thing with Jordan Addison there as well. That's the Bolitnikoff winner, the wide receiver from Pitt who was rumored to be transferring to to USC, then entered the transfer portal. I've told you that some of the recent stories that have emerged around Addison, my opinion, they're all smoke screens. I don't think he's going to Alabama. I don't think he's going to Texas. I think he was always going to USC. But some of this is also USC kind of realizing, oh, to be openly tampering with a player like this, um, this had a very kind of bad look to a lot of people we've kind of stepped in a new direction maybe it seems legal based on the current level of lawlessness but maybe the spirit of the law is actually about to return here because what you saw argued in arizona yesterday is kind of a retroactive attempt to go back and legislate some of the deals that have already happened and say this has never been legal it wasn't legal when you did it then and look i I get what people are saying Well, how can you go back and do that now after this stuff has already happened? And how can you try to gain some semblance of control over this in the future, given the fact that you stood by while it got so wild right now? I think all of these are fair questions. I really do. I guess as someone who's kind of rooting for college sports to survive throughout all of this, here's what I'm sort of hoping for. Maybe you agree with this. Maybe you don't. There is certainly room for difference of opinion. But here's what I'm kind of hoping for in all of this. I'm hoping that the threat of enforcement just kind of calms people down a little bit. Um, I don't think it's good to have this level of open tampering going on. We said that a year ago when Miami tampered to get Tyreek Stevenson off the Georgia roster, nobody cared at the time. We predicted that eventually people would care. That prediction turned out to be correct. People care now. They should have cared a year ago, but they care now. Um, You know, the same kind of stuff, you know, about some of these other issues there as well, that we just want college football, college athletics to maintain some sense of, of, of normalcy. And that doesn't mean there isn't room for paying athletes, nor does it mean there isn't room for some ability to transfer. But if you don't have any rules, you also don't have a sport. The, the, the rules are what gets the sport structure. So the idea that the NCAA and the conference commissioners and whatever else, even to the extent the NCAA has even control over college football and in the future, they may have no control whatsoever. That's all fair, too. But the notion that we're now talking about somebody trying to build some structure around this, somebody trying to make sure that that some sense of rule following is maintained so that the stability that's made the sports 
you know, football, basketball, everything else, as popular as they have been over the course of the last few decades, the fact that we're having this conversation now, I think is better than nothing. I really do. And it's going to get more complicated from here. But folks are stepping up. They're trying to do something. And we'll see, I guess, in the time to come, if there's anything that truly can be done, we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And it's time now for uh, a celebration of our championship mom, courtesy of Kroger. We've gotten so many great stories on these over the course of the last couple of days. I want to honor today's winner. Her name is Jamie Haynes. Uh, her husband, uh, Eric Haynes, steps up to honor Jamie here. We're going to celebrate Jamie. First of all, beautiful picture of Jamie and her family there. You love to see that. Uh, Eric says that uh, she's my wife, mother of our three children, um, and she's also a Georgia alumna there as well. He says, we have three boys, 16, 15, 12. The oldest is a four-sport athlete, middle uh, son soccer star, youngest on his way to play with his 12-year-old state champion baseball team in Cooperstown, New York this summer. That's obviously a very big tournament that takes place there each and every year. Very busy with all that kind of stuff. Uh, sports all the time. And you know how a lot of you who are mothers know you're just pulling a million different directions when it comes to that kind of thing. She's also been a high school teacher for 20 years, uh, two-time teacher of the year winner. Um, amazing. Um, he says that if, if Jamie isn't a championship mom, nobody is. Is. He says, my 70-year-old mother looks up to Jamie as she can't believe how she handles the dozens and dozens of tasks that she does uh, each and every day. It's a, it's a great email here by Eric, a, a great story of a great mom who's just doing so many things for three uh, very busy boys. And it's really very symbolic of a lot of the moms in our audience right now who you work so hard each and every week and each and every year. And, you know, listen, that's kind of what Dog Nation Daily kind of exists to do is be a companion for you as you're just running around with your families. You're trying to get to sports, you're trying to get to beta club, you're trying to get to all the things you have going on. You're just trying to do that. And as you're traveling around doing what you're doing, moms, dads, everybody else in between, we like being a companion with you and all that. And Kroger likes being there for you there as well. So thank you, Eric Haynes, for the nomination. Congratulations to Jamie Haynes. You are the winner of our championship mom, courtesy of Kroger here today. And as we head towards Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day uh, to all of you. And as I said yesterday, if I could give you a toast, I would. And if I'm toasting you, I'm toasting you with our friends at the Finish Long Drink. You can check out Finish Long Drink online, thelongdrink.com. Get ready for the weekend. Go to thelongdrink.com. Find out where you can pick some up or find out which variety is right for you. Traditional comes in a blue can. Uh, cranberry obviously that goes without saying got the cranberry flavor the traditional's got the grapefruit flavor get the long drink strong the long drink uh zero no carbs no sugar or you can get the eight can variety pack that's got four different long drink varieties two different cans of each of those four different varieties it's a great story it came from helsinki back in the 1950s when the summer games were there it's been in america now for a couple of years it's all across the state of georgia our buddy Demetrius sullivan reached out to me on twitter yesterday to say that he's been hooked on the uh, finished long drink now because of all that so listen i am so glad that so many of you are enjoying that uh thank you for continuing to reach out online let me know about how you're enjoying it and if you haven't tried some yet as we head towards the summer this is a great time to do it online at the longdrink.com so this week a lot of our golden shoes have been related to like the star wars day which was on may 4th and we shouldn't let that obscure the fact that yesterday was also cinco de mayo or may 5th or five five if you will which certainly brought out a lot of great golden shoe submissions and i know we're a day late on this i didn't see some of these until yesterday afternoon so i want to make sure i share these right now our buddy Sugar Ray checking in. How about this? 
uh, yet the sombrero there on the 2022 uh, national champion. That's obviously the, the date when Georgia won it. And the five for uh, A.D. Mitchell, who scored the touchdown. The five for Keely Ringo, who had the interception. He says, uh, uh, he says, guess what day it is? It's happy Cinco de Bamo. Cinco, obviously, S-I-N-K-O. So very funny stuff there from Sugar Ray. Great, great job there. Our buddy Frankie Fibonacci also checking in there as well. Uh, how about, he says, uh, happy five, five. Once again, uh, Mitchell and Ringo being honored. Good stuff by Frankie. Good golden shoes there all the way around. Gator, hater, updater. About 4,866 days since Florida's won a national championship. They had nothing to celebrate, nor will they, including 176 days from right now when Georgia wins again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. Happy Mother's Day to you all. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take your comments here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, in the comment section at dognation.com a couple things to share here i mentioned frankie fibonacci winning i'm assuming he's a big chess fan if you had to guess um he won a golden shoe he also shared this on twitter the comment from ajay hall now texas wide receiver after having been in alabama he says bama fans they're not really loving this is hall the former bama wide receiver says if i could say even when you leave texas fans are like a family they love you unconditionally we'll see how they feel about hall when his uh, career is done if he still thinks that's truly unconditional uh love there but man you're talking about a uh, marriage that's just never quite worked out the one involving saban who pretty clearly was unhappy with hall a lot last year even seemingly blaming some of the national championship loss on him and hall who just never seemed to click and this kind of goes back to what we were saying a little earlier we had this conversation on video a moment ago that you know nick saban is selling a lot of individual glory to players recruits in particular you have a lot of these guys who come in and sometimes what they arrive at is not what they were promised. In the case of Hall, I'm sure he was told, hey, come here and we produce 1,000-yard receivers. You're going to be one of those guys. Maybe he thought he was. But then lo and behold, shortly after you know he shows up, you got a transfer wide receiver who's coming in and getting a lot of the attention that Hall maybe himself thought he was going to get. Nobody can knock how good James Williams was. But, but that affects your team chemistry when you've promised individual glory to a bunch of different guys. You can't write the same check more than once in this particular case it ends up going the direction of williams and now all of a sudden you've got alabama here trying to figure out you know how do you make all these transfers work together this is not fantasy football this is real football and players have to be more than just talented they have to be capable of playing together they have to want to play with each other and we're going to find out how much that is true for alabama clearly they expect to be one of the best teams in the country you understand why they will will be Uh, predicted to do so but still there's something to be said for team chemistry we'll find out if bama has it and clearly uh important for georgia to reconjure that as well as they look to repeat as national champions mark morris also checks in to say another great show today ba my opinion is the dogs defensive line last year is the best one to ever play college football and it could be their tight end room in 2022 goes down as the best ever maybe as well so we'd have back-to-back best ever position group that's actually really interesting um, I'm sure you'd get plenty of debate about a lot of those topics. Was Georgia the best defensive line ever last season? You know, maybe even the current tight ends, are they the best ever? But the idea that the same program in consecutive seasons could have a position group ranked as maybe the best of all time, 
That's a pretty interesting theory, Mark. That's a pretty interesting theory indeed. I appreciate you sharing that. And of course, we always love your feedback here as part of our podcast, Cool Down, whether you tweet to me at Dog Nation Daily or you write your comment in the comment section at dognation.com. It's great to be able to have that conversation with you each and every day. So hope you all have a great weekend. Happy Mother's Day to those of you who are moms out there. And if you're not a mom, make sure you take good care of the mom in your life. And we'll see you back here Monday for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. If your water heater goes out, in many cases, they can replace it for you the same day. So find them online. And, of course, Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger as well. You'll have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.